Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're going to be starting today and over the next few weeks looking at key truths to help you in your Christian life. And one of the things I've noticed about Christians is this, is that we truly don't grasp the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. You truly don't understand what Jesus did for you. That's why we sometimes have a, what I say, a lackadaisical attitude about our Christianity and our salvation. And part of not understanding the salvation that we have is because we don't understand why our salvation is so important. Why Jesus going to the cross and dying for us was so important. We don't understand the truths of who we were without Jesus. And so in order for us to have that truth, that foundation in our life of who we are as believers, we've got to go all the way back, all the way back to the beginning, and understand why we got into the mess we got ourselves into. Because when you look at the world today, it's a mess, isn't it? It starts all the way back in Genesis. And so we've got to lay down a foundation so that we can understand our salvation. We've got to understand the fall of man. So that's where we are today. So let's look with me. First of all, we're going to look at two different passages. The first passage we're going to look at is in Genesis. So notice with me, Genesis chapter 3. Notice what the writer Moses writes to us. Verse 1, he says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that it was the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Then he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave of the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The servant deceived me and I ate. Then the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. 
and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. Out of it you were taken. From dust you are, and dust you shall return. So let's look here at the fall of man. The first thing we want to see is the issue of the temptation. The issue of the temptation. We see that in the first five verses. What we see is, is that the passage introduces us to an adversary. The adversary here is referred to as the serpent. We know him as also the devil or Satan, who is a very real adversary. And he's our adversary today. And from the very beginning, he has always sought to destroy mankind. But the interesting thing about Satan is is that his attacks are not often outright. The problem is, is that Satan uses several tactics in his attack upon us. One is accusation. The other is temptation. And the third is lies. He uses those three things as always to try to trip us up. And that's what he did in the life of Adam and his wife Eve from the very beginning. So I want you to notice the temptation. The first thing we see is in verse 1. From the very beginning, when he tempted them, notice what he says to Eve. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Here's the first thing I want you to notice about temptation. It's very true to this day. God's word is questioned. God's word is questioned. What was God's word to her? God's word to Adam and to her was, you can eat of anything in this garden. You can eat the fruits of any tree in this garden except one tree in the midst of the tree. The day you touch, eat of that tree, you're going to die. So they had basic freedom to eat anything else they wanted to in that garden. So here's what the serpent does. The serpent comes along and says, no, wait a minute now. Did he really say that? What is he doing? He's casting doubts on God's commandment. Casting doubts on what God is saying. He's casting doubts on God's word. Same tactic today, isn't it? Let me give you a big one today. Scripture tells us, God's word tells us, that we are to, this is the will of God, that we are to abstain from sexual immorality. You know that? Very few times in the Bible that God comes right and says what his will is. One of the times is, is that you and I are to abstain from sexual immorality. Now what is that? Any type of sexual behavior outside of the bonds of marriage. That's sexual immorality. And God says that you and I are to abstain from it. Why? Because he's trying to be a meanie? Is he trying to hold back on you? Is he trying to make your life miserable? No, because God knows that when you enter into that sin, and you enter into that activity, that activity is going to affect you and affect others around you. Now here's the temptation today. It's the temptation of our culture. It's the temptation of the evil one. Did he really say that? Doesn't God want you to be happy? You know, God said sex is okay in marriage, but are you sure it's just in marriage? Isn't that what our culture is saying today? 
Isn't that what the enemy will come and whisper to us? It will cast doubt on God's Word. All the temptations that we face, whether it's in that area or other areas, are always going to be causing you to doubt what God says. Always going to be causing you to doubt what God says. The next thing I want you to see about the temptation is this. God's character is questioned. So here's how Eve responds to him. Eve responds to him, look at verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We shall eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. We can eat of any tree here. But, notice what she says, verse 3, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor touch it, lest you die. So she's explaining to him the commandment. In fact, she's even added a commandment in there. He said not to eat of it. She wants to make sure that she doesn't eat of it. She adds, don't touch it. Isn't that what we do? We add to the commandments to make sure we don't do them. But I want you to notice now what the serpent does, because the serpent's going to question God's character. Look at what he says. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now Satan here actually is telling the truth. Because the fact of the matter is, they're not going to cease to exist. Because he knows that they are spiritual beings. And that they're going to continue to live. And the question is where? Do you understand what I'm saying? All humanity is going to continue to live. It's a question of where. So when he says that it is, you will surely not die, he's not talking about that they're going to cease to exist. Because here's what he says. Now here's where he questions God's character. Here's what he says. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open. That's another truth. Their eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, he's telling the truth, but he's twisting the truth, because here's what he's doing. He's telling them God's holding out on you. The benevolent God who built this garden, who put you in the midst of the garden, who walks with you in the cool of the day, who does all these wonderful things for you, by having you not eat of this, he's holding out on you. Isn't that the temptation? Isn't that the temptation? When you and I know where the line is of what God says to us, the enemy will come to us and say, well, God put that line there because he's holding out on you and there's more enjoyment beyond that line you begin to question the character of God of whether or not He truly loves you, whether or not He's holding out on you. That's the temptation, isn't it? And when we cross the line, when we jump over the line, here's what we do. We're saying we know better than God what we need for our lives. And God, you were holding out on me. That's the deadly deception of temptation, isn't it? But there's one other point I want you to see about temptation. That's this. The choice to sin was grounded in their wills. Look with me at verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Now you notice the passage didn't say, the snake reached up and made her eat it. See, temptation isn't sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we have it reversed. We think, oh, the temptation is wrong. My friends, temptations are natural. It's your choice in what you do with the temptation that leads to sin. And when they chose to sin, it was grounded in their wills. Do you understand me? It was grounded in their wills. And see, here's the thing. So you have a room. You maybe have some people here. They're tempted to commit adultery. Some or everyone is tempted in some way at some point. The question is your will and your decision. 
Some decide not to. Some give in. And they sin. But it's grounded in them. It's not anybody else's fault. See, this is the problem with our culture today. We have a culture today that says nobody's responsible for anything. It's my mama's fault or my daddy's fault. It was my coach's fault or my pastor's fault. It was the neighbor across the road the way he looked at me. It's never our fault, is it? But what we're seeing here is they chose to sin. They chose it. The choice to sin was grounded in their wills. Now, the problem is is that when they chose to eat, they sinned. So I want you to notice the sin and its consequences. We see it in verses 6 through 19. First of all, verse 6 tells us this. They acted based on their desires. Look at what it says there. It's almost it's describing a threefold thing that happens with you and I with our bodies. Look at what happens. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, ooh, that's the lust of the body there. Ooh. Our bodies are in control, and we look and we see that it's ooh, pleasant to the eyes, good for food. Yeah, groceries, somebody said there. Listen, but notice something else there. And the tree desirable to make one wise. What's that? Pride. Pride. Each of us has a desire to become greater than what we are. That's true, isn't it? Pride enters into our hearts. And notice something else there. And she took of its fruit and she ate. They acted based on their desires. See, when you think God's holding out on you, you're going to act based upon what you feel is the best. And what you feel is the best is always going to be governed by what? Your desires. What you want. What you think. What you think looks good. What will help you look good. And that's reality. Now, here's the other thing I want you to see there. Is when they did this, look at verse 7 because this is a key verse. You've got to, if you want to mark a star down by this verse because this is actually so true to every area of our life today. It's relevant today. Not just back then with Adam and Eve. It's relevant to you and I today. Look at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Here's what I want you to see is that they were awakened to a new reality. You know what, in the last verse of chapter 2, if you want to look there, and it says, they were both naked, man and his wife, and were not ashamed. They were naked always. But then all of a sudden, when they sinned, what's going on? When they chose to sin, their eyes were open to a new reality, and guess what entered in? Shame. They could never look at each other the same again. And guess what they tried to do? Isn't it interesting? From the very beginning, man always knows there's a problem when you do wrong. They immediately try to cover the problem. But have you noticed Have you noticed that we don't use too many leaves for clothes today? They started experimenting. That, from the very beginning, we realized leaves don't work. They what? They dry up and they crumble. Not a good thing to do. Have you noticed that? What's going on here? They were open to a new reality. You know, that's so true for us today. So true for us today. Young people, listen to me. If, if you haven't smoked, don't. I, I can talk to you because I smoked as a teenager. When you take that first thought, it, it opens it up to a new reality. If you haven't taken that first drink, don't. I can talk because before I was a Christian, I drank. It opens you up to a new reality. Listen, talk to some of the people I deal with who are on drugs. They'll tell you. It opened them to a new reality. The adulterer. It opens them to a new reality. 
Do you understand? Sin and the decision to sin opens you to a new reality. It's happening again and again, over and over in our lives, just like it happened in their life. It's real. That's the consequences. Life doesn't go on and be the same. Why do you think God told us not to do it? See, here's our thing. Listen to me. When God sets up that barrier line and He says, I don't want you going any farther than this, it's not because He's trying to control your life and be miserable and mean. It's because He's looking out for you. He's like a loving dad who says, be home by 11. He's trying to set a parameter because He knows that if you cross that line, you're out here on your own and you're going to get hurt. And the reality is, is when they cross that line, they open their lives to a new reality. And guess what? They got hurt. And you know what? They didn't just hurt themselves. They hurt us. But sin never stays to the person. It always spreads to other people. Always. Always spreads to other people. So we see that it resulted not just in acting upon their desires. It not just opened them to a new reality. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 8 now. Look at what it says. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, look at what they did. This is something they never did before. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Now, I almost get the picture of a dad who's got some little ones. Whenever he comes home from work, they're just running to meet dad. They're excited that dad's home. Until one day, they get in trouble. And mommy says to the little ones, wait till daddy gets home. So now when dad comes home, he doesn't hear the pitter-patter of feet running to him. He hears nothing but silence. Why? Because they hid themselves. He doesn't even know what's happened yet. But they do. See, this is what you see going on in this passage, although God did know what they did. Listen to what I want you to see. Their relationship with God was broken. Their relationship with God was broken. Every aspect of that relationship, just even right down to the foundational aspect. What is the foundational aspect of a relationship? Trust. They broke God's trust. Why? Because he told them where the barrier was, and they what? They broke it. Could they be trusted now? No. And look, some of you here know what I'm talking about. If you break a trust in your relationship or in your marriages, how long does it take to heal that? If it ever gets healed, right? See, this is the thing that's going on here. This is what we see in the fall of man. This is what we see in the fall of man. Now, I want you to turn over to Romans now because we're going to look at the implications. What does, okay, that's a nice story that tells us a little bit. What does that mean to you and I today, George? What's the implication of it? Well, Paul tells us in Romans, if we turn over to Romans chapter 5, look with me at just four verses, verses 12 through 15. Paul, writing to the Romans, says this, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is the type of man who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. 
Here's the implication. Their sin resulted in the death of mankind. Their sin resulted in the death of mankind. Here's the thing. You say, well, that seems awfully unfair. That's just the way life is. Let me ask you a question. How many of you had a choice in who your parents were? How many of you had a choice in what kind of a job your dad would have? How many of you had a choice in what kind of house you would live in when you were born and grew up? How many of you had a choice of what kind of income they would have and whether you would have plenty or you would just barely make it or if you couldn't make it at all? How many of you had a choice in that as a young person? How many of you had a choice? Nobody had a choice, did they? We all had to deal with it, didn't we? That doesn't sound fair. Well, you would quickly say to me, fairness has nothing to do with it. That's what I want you to understand about the sin that Adam and Eve committed. The sin that Adam and Eve committed has nothing to do with fairness. It's just the lot that we were given because they, our forefathers, made that wrong decision. And guess what? We make the same type of decisions that they do today, don't we? And here's the thing. Their sin resulted in mankind's death, spiritually as well as physically. You know what? One of the most terrible things I have to do as a pastor is go to funerals. You and I hate going to them, period. For me as a pastor, it's even more because I have to deal with the grief of people and help them and try to be a comfort to them. And let's be honest, death, there is very little comfort, is there? Because we hate it. It's terrible. But can I tell you why there's death? It's a consequence of Adam and Eve's sin. That's reality, isn't it? It's not fair. But it's there because we made the wrong decisions. In fact, listen to what Paul says. I thought it was interesting. I was reading down through this passage here. The thought occurred to me. Look with me at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Here's what he's saying. Death reigns even if you don't do the same thing as Adam, is what it's saying. Because they chose the path humanity should go on. That's the fall of mankind. See, you understand what I'm saying when I say to you that we don't grasp our salvation is that we're so, we, we, we forget where we were before we were saved and what our lot was before we were saved. It was death. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus came? In fact, that's the next point here. Look at the next point. Through Jesus, grace is available to all. Through Jesus, grace is is available to all. Let me explain to you what grace means. Let me give you first the theological definition, then I'll give you George's definition. The theological definition is unmerited favor. Well, what does that mean, George? Here's what it means. George's definition. Getting what you don't deserve. What do we deserve? Death. But through Jesus, we get what we don't deserve. Isn't that wonderful? See, do you understand now why it's so important when we think about our salvation, not just to think about what Jesus did for us, we've got to think about where we were headed before. We've got to think about what our lot was. We've got to think about the choice that our forefathers made for us and, and the problem there. And then you begin to understand, man, I am so thankful for Jesus. I am thankful for Christmas. And it's not because of the gifts I'm going to get. No, Christmas, we're excited about Jesus. Because He is our hope. You say, okay, George, okay, what's the application here for us? Three things. Do you grasp humanity's condition without Jesus? Do you realize 
the condition of the people that you rub shoulders with at work, your neighbors, your even some of your family members, people just downtown Kerwinsville or Clearfield, people at the mall or, or at, at Walmart, do you, do you grasp their condition if they don't know Jesus? Do you understand that through Adam, they're all going to die, not just physically, but spiritually? Has that gripped you? That's the first question that comes out of this passage. Do you grasp humanity's condition? And then number, number two, here, here's, here's, here's the important thing, and, and Paul told us, do, do you recognize your responsibility for sin? It's not Satan. It's not your, not your grandma or grandpa or your mom or dad or a coach or some teacher. It's not, it's not this or that or if they hadn't have done this, I wouldn't have done that. And it's not your wife or your husband's fault and it's not your parents' fault. Do, do you grasp it's your fault? You're responsible for what you did. You know, when, when I stand before Jesus, he isn't going to say, well, you know, George, I understood. It was, it's because of your daddy. He isn't even going to, he isn't even want to talk about it. He's going to say, what did you do? And you know what? I can't say but anything, but yeah, I did it. Do you recognize your responsibility for sin? See, when we look at this issue of the fall of humanity, it's nobody else's fault but theirs, Adam and Eve's. But you know what? We can't be too hard on them because we make the same type decisions too, don't we? So we've got to take responsibility. And then finally, this is the wonderful thing. Receive the grace that Jesus offers to you. Look at what Paul says, verse 15. I think it's wonderful. But the free gift. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to do anything for it. You just have to receive it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, this is Christmas. Let's talk about Christmas for a moment. I remember I was a kid. I know what it's like. We give gifts wondering what we're going to get back. We're selfish. Because we figure if we could do the right things, and you notice we try to do good this time of year, because we're hoping for a nice big gift, and we've even made lists of what we want. And we've kind of posted them in, in ideal places for them to see them. Cut out little catalog ads. And, oh, by the way, did you see that ad over there? Why? Because we're, we're, we're working for the gift. My friends, with this gift of Jesus, you don't have to work. You just have to take it because it's free. And what is it? Grace. Getting what you don't deserve. You know, it's a foolish person who doesn't take it. There is an interesting case study in our history, and I'll close with this. There was a man in the very foundation of our nation who was sentenced to be executed. And as is the prerogative of presidents, I believe it was President Andrew Jackson, pardoned the man for his offense. Well, when the pardon was sent to the prison, this gentleman decided he wasn't going to accept it. He would just go to the gallows. Well, that threw everybody in a tizzy. He'd been pardoned for his crime. He was pardoned, so he doesn't have to be executed, but he's not receiving the pardon. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and here's what the Supreme Court said. The pardon is valid, but it is a question of whether or not it will be received. And guess what? He didn't receive it and he went to the gallows and died. You know what? That story is so true to us today, isn't it? The pardon for eternal life has already been decreed by Jesus on the cross. But it needs to be received. It needs to be received. 
It's not valid unless it's received. Receive the grace that Jesus gives to you. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.